It's time to light up a cigar and talk about business and cars. Are you ready to get the insider edge and pick up a few ideas that you can incorporate into your business today? Your host, Brandon Green, has 25-plus years in the automotive industry, with 10-plus years owning his own business. Together with a diverse lineup of guests from all industries, he's asking the right questions to get you the answers you seek. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Business Cars and Cigars. I'm your host, Brandon Green. Um, and before we get rolling too far, if you listen to the past couple episodes, we've got a new cigar sponsor, um, which is Vita Nova Cigars. So if you're around St. Louis, uh, they'll be kicking off here real soon and uh, getting out to better cigar shops everywhere. Um, and of course, the car audio shop as well. So with that said, I have a guy here today that I have been uh, super excited and been scheduled for about a month, and I am uh, I'm stoked to get this one in. So he is a uh, best-selling author of the book Too Strong, um, CEO of Winrate Consulting, as a nonprofit called A Champion Shoes, which is awesome, and also the Big Stud Podcast. So uh, welcome, Mr. Mike Claudio. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So. Um, just to kind of start this conversation off. I'm going to start with your post today. Now, this will be actually be releasing in a few weeks uh, or so. But your post today was talking about um, I'm sitting here looking at it about um, wearing uh, your hat or your shirt as opposed to your favorite sports team and some of that. Um, I thought that was kind of a really cool thing to think about. You want to mind expanding on that a little bit? Yeah. So I think, look, it's anytime you're wearing a piece of swag, you know, in, in, in this, in the psychology world, it's, it's basically, it's virtue signaling, right? Whether you're supporting red, you're supporting blue, you're supporting your team, you're supporting America, you're supporting your brand, your business, your, your favorite player, the jersey you like, it's virtue signaling. It's basically saying, Hey, I'm wearing this thing that I think represents who I am, what I'm about, what I believe in, how I communicate, what I want you to know about me before we actually talk, right? That's what wearing branding actually does. Like it's just the same thing as wearing Carhartt or something like that, right? Up until recently, you know, I think they had, they kind of went the wrong way on the whole vaccine situation, but Carhartt was like, Hey, I'm a hunter. I appreciate good quality things. I'm not afraid to spend a little bit more money to have the right stuff, right? Like that's, that's why you wear a Carhartt. It's not because it's the warmest thing out there. Same reason, like you get a Yeti, over an Arctic, right? Like people think, you know, Yeti represents a different level of audience. It represents, and so when you when you virtue signal like this, it it puts a lot of things out there. And I find that there's a lot of people, especially newer, and we'll we'll say newer business owners, younger business owners, not by age, but in time and business, they get a little like insecure and imposter syndrome, putting their shit out there all the time. It's like, ah, like my friends are saying this, or my, my family's saying this, or people are probably tired of hearing me talk about my stuff. And it's like, if you feel that, and I know that's true, I, I've talked to people about it. I've even felt it a little bit on my own. Um, you know, I represent like literally what winning looks like. Like I literally represent winning <laughs> as a brand, like all my shit says win or champion or whatever, or, or whatever, like on that kind of stuff. So everybody yeah. wants to be a part of winning. Right. And I still even deal or used to deal with a little imposter syndrome. I think there's a lot of people out there. Obviously there's a lot of people on the other side of it too, that have been through this journey, 
But there's a lot of people out there that are really afraid to like consistently and and unabashedly represent who they are and their brand and their business and what they're trying to do. I, I'm too small to have hats and shirts. Bullshit. How am I going to fucking find out about you? You don't get big and then get swag. You get swag so you can get big. Right. So people they find out about you. Right. Yep. And people are, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there when they have that certain level of insecurity, they have a certain level of imposter syndrome. They have that certain level of, um, you know, I guess I'd say like the, they don't have enough. Don't give a fuck syndrome. Right. They yep. care so much about what the people around them think. And like even starting a podcast right? I see people spend months trying to come up with the right name for their fucking podcast when it does not matter. Right. It, it took me it, forever to actually get off my ass and do this. So. <laughs> And it's because you're so like, I'll just call it what it is. Like, it's because you're, yeah. you're afraid of like naming it wrong or someone having a negative opinion about what it is you do. Someone's have a negative opinion about what you do, no matter how well planned, thought out or orchestrated the situation is. Right. Yep. And what, what I think a lot of people forget is if you don't believe in your brand, why would anybody else? Right. If I don't see you repping your brand, why would I? Right. And so me wearing the big win hats was like one of my biggest, I think, you know, swag slash virtue signaling decisions I did last year. Like for anybody who's listening, it's a it's a black hat that says win as about as big as you can make it on the face of the hat. Um, and I don't have I one. Wanted, I want to get I got to get. <laughs> yeah. And so I want to make the big win hats. Because who doesn't like winning big, right? And so, like, I was like, I don't know. Like, this is like the the seventh or eighth different hat I've designed that we've tried to sell at some point. It's by far the big, the, the best selling hat we've ever had. Yeah. If I you go to WinRate Apparel, if you go to WinRateApparel.com, there's a whole bunch of swag there. This is by far our top selling item. But that, I can, go ahead. That was the seventh or eighth rendition, right? Yeah. And because I just started, I just like, all right, we're going to create some hats, throw the, the logo on it, and see what happens. We're going to start a Shopify account. Oh, whatever. We'll just, we're going to keep implementing, analyzing and adjusting. And what I think that post specifically this morning was there's so many people out there that hesitate to represent their brand because they're not big enough. They haven't made it yet. They don't know enough. They're so insecure in what they don't know about running their business. They're afraid to represent it because if people ask too many questions and they answer wrong, they might look stupid. They might sound stupid. The best thing you can do in business is look or sound stupid because then you can learn from it. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I know I've, I've definitely felt that way myself, you know, about getting stuff or whatever. And I'm, I'm actually trying to get back into that and getting more stuff for the shop and whatever. I got the guys coats and stuff this, you know, this year with our logos and stuff on them. Um, but another thing, and that kind of leads into is uh, I'm sitting here with your book. I actually read it this weekend. That was my uh, thing. I was like, he scheduled this weekend. I hadn't got this in, so I got it, got to make it happen. Um, oh, I get it. But you talk about uh, some confidence and stuff in there as well. Of all the people, I would not think having some uh, some issues, having met you and talked to you and, you know, see your uh, swagger walking around and all that. I would never have expected you to have any issues with that. I think. All right. So there, there's several things that play into that. Um, part of it is I stay in my lane. Yeah. Right. In my lane, I'm very confident. I, I truly believe that I'm one of the best that does what I do. Um, and for anybody who doesn't know, Winry Consulting is primarily a one-on-one business coaching company for um, contractors and, and service providers, right? So if you sell a product or service to a homeowner, you're my target audience. And so when it comes to sales and leadership and business development, that's my world. I'm very confident there. 
Yeah. And I'm also confident enough to tell you what I don't know. And I think that's really where a lot of the swagger comes from now. I'm not afraid to be wrong. I'm not afraid to say, hey, I don't have an answer to that question. Or, hey, I don't know. Here's somebody I know who does. That's where I think confidence comes in. I, I don't think confidence really is bred out of knowing more. I think it's bred out of being okay with what you don't know. And like, I'm just, I'm very confident what I know and I'm very confident what I don't know. I'm not afraid to be wrong. I'm not afraid to look stupid because like everybody learns in their own way or their own style or their own process or their own time. Right. And I love, and here's what happens though. My confidence right now is built off of three years, almost two and a half years at this point of going all in on me, like all in on what I think, what I want to do, the way I want to do it, how I want to do it. And I have, I got very selfish in order to give to others. And that allowed me to walk into every situation, knowing I'm as prepared as I can be. I'm as confident as I can be. And, and I still get nervous. Like I still get nervous talking on stage, like apex live. When I spoke at apex live, I yep. still get sick to my stomach before I walk on stage. Yep. You wouldn't know, you'd never know it. No, I'm oh, not really at good at faking that. I can, because I speak for a living <laughs> and like I, I do this literally all day, every day. And you get good at things when you do it all day, every day. What most people fail at is they're afraid to fail. So they don't try. So they never learn. Those are the people that you see afraid, literally shaking in their own clothes because they're so uncertain of themselves because they've never given themselves an opportunity to fail at anything. And in doing so, they fail at life. That makes uh, that makes a lot of sense. I know first couple of times I taught classes or whatever, I was I was nervous. Shit, I, I still get nervous doing that. I mean, even doing these podcasts, you know, every time I got to hit record or whatever, it's, you know, it's getting better, but yeah, I mean, you gotta, but you can like, sense, like, I can tell like you were having trouble catching your breath at the beginning of this. Cause I've, I know that feeling. Yeah. Right. We're like, you can't get air out or in, right. You get everything tenses up. You get nervous. I do. I, I know that I can sense it. I can see it because I do it. It happens to me. Yep. Right. Absolutely. And so you get that, like, I can't catch my breath. I can't push air out. I'm trying to just get the words out so I can move on to the next sentence. And then eventually it starts to flow. You start to get in the groove. You start to realize, oh, I'm not dead yet. Let's keep going. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think like to pretend I don't deal with imposter syndrome and and insecurities, I think it's, it's way better than it used to be, mostly because of the fact that I'm very comfortable and confident with who I am and who I'm not. And I think more on the who I'm not like, I'm just good with it. This is not like you need sympathy. Don't call me. You need empathy. <laughs> call me. Gotcha. And people pay me a lot of money because of my willingness to be straightforward, direct, and honest. And that's, that's how I love people. Yeah. But very few people are comfortable being as honest as I am. Cause I don't care who you are. You're getting, you're going to get my truth of what I believe in this situation, no matter what, I'm not going to cater to anybody anymore. Cause it's awesome. literally, Catering to other people put me in the deepest, darkest hole I could I can ever have imagined being in. Because then you don't know who you are anymore. You are whoever you think the people that are right in front of you want you to be every time. And then you lose you lose track and you lose touch with who you're supposed to be. If you're a different person at work, a different person at the gym, a different person at home, a different person on the podcast, a different person when you're by yourself, you literally don't know who you are anymore. And that's a really scary place to be. Definitely. Definitely. I've, uh, I've struggled with that at times myself and I've been, uh, well, I mean, just honestly over the last year or two, I've been working on getting back to being myself, getting back to what I, uh, what I want to do, you know, and 
uh, learning how to, like you said, you know, be selfish a little bit. I've talked with a few people about that. Just uh, got to make myself better in order I can, or I can, you know, help anybody else. So this book, it came out last year, right? Is that correct? Yes. Yep. You go through quite a few different things in here, a lot of personal stuff and then into, you know, some business stuff and coaching stuff and everything. What's, uh, is there a particular part of that that really kind of sticks out for you? Something that kind of more close to the heart or something you I mean, it's what I I try to do with hashtag too strong is, you know, it's how to win fast and win often in a world full of obstacles. Um, You know, I've been obese. I've been broke. I've been an alcoholic. I've been a womanizer. Like, however you want to say that different. There's different levels to all that. Right. Like I never beat a woman, but I definitely like, you know, I was like most young 20 year old men. I had one thing on my mind and I was going to go win. And so. You know, I went through years where I used, you know, you know, my ability to communicate for the wrong reasons. You know, I, I don't want to say manipulation, but it's kind of manipulation. It's influence. Right. You say what you need to say to get what you need to get. And like that's I think that's a certain amount of manipulation there. And ultimately, this book is in my opinion. Obviously, it's my book, but <laughs> it's a good combination of like here. Are the Here's the scenario where I learned the lesson. Here's what I learned. Here's what I took from it. And here's what I implemented to make sure it doesn't happen again. And so if you look at this, the journey of my life, like I'm still pretty young. Like I'm only 35 right now. Right. Um, I don't know when you're listening this month. You know, this is evergreen content. This could be five years from now. It's 2022. You know, I'm 35. And, um, you know, I've lived, I li- I've lived a lot of downs, a lot of dark places, a lot of uh, not very proud moments. Um, and I don't think that makes me unique. What I think makes me unique was my ability to see them for what they are, not allow them to define me, learn how to overcome that challenge. And then the book is, you know, every chapter kind of, you know, culminates with the lesson or tactic or strategy I I use to make sure it doesn't happen again. So things from consistency, time management, communication, you know, diet and exercise, building relationships, being successful in life and in business, it, it, there, there's somewhat of a strategy. There's somewhat of a scientific approach you can take that if you are disciplined and consistent, it will work every time. Like there's just, there's no doubt in my mind. I've, I've coached over 300 companies in the last three years and every time it works. Like there's, there's never been a time that the person or the, the client did what I told them to do and it didn't work, not once. So from that perspective, it is incredibly, we'll say organized like math where if you do the right things and like, look, it doesn't matter where you are in your life. I think that book brings some value in helping you figure out what's next, helping you set some goals and targets, helping you time management, helping you with sales and follow up and communication. Um, you know, really for me, like that book was, you know, people look at me, like you said, with that certain amount of swagger, like in, in not in a cocky way, but just in a humble way. Like I know that when I walk in a room, I have a presence. Right. And to not, recognize that would be ignorant and somewhat uh, disappointing of not reaching my potential. Right. So not recognizing yeah. and, and owning the fact that like, when I walk into a room, I have a presence, people know I'm there. People, people see me, you know, I'm a, I'm a bigger guy. I talk, I have a deep voice. It carries, a, it carries a long way. I'm confident. Right. And, and what I do and don't know. So like, I, I know I carry that. Right. So this book helps people hopefully start to cultivate some of that for themselves. Awesome. It's a, it's an amazing book. I mean, uh, like I said, I just went, uh, 
went through and read it this past weekend just to make sure I was uh, up to date because I hadn't gotten a chance to get to it yet. Um, now I'm going to go back through it because you got a couple exercises and stuff in there I want to go back through and do actually myself. Move on a little bit. I had something I wanted to uh, another thing I wanted to talk to you about, and that is working with Tiffany, working with your wife. Yep. Um, I think it was uh, last year, if I remember, if I was listening correctly, that you got to uh, retire her, so to speak, from corporate corporate world. Yep. And actually, the episode she did by herself, I went and sent that actually to my wife, um, and she listened to it, and she's like, "Holy shit, this is us!" But. <laughs> uh, Listen to a lot of that. Uh, I see there's uh, you guys work really well on this, but uh, also there's some struggles and stuff with that, too. And I kind of wanted to, you know, ask you if nothing else for my own personal benefit, you know, working with your spouse or as far as that goes, it could even be a uh, business partner or something like that at that point. But some of the difficulties with that and kind of how you uh, overcome some of those. So I, I'll, I'll, I'm going to stick around working with your spouse. I think working with your spouse does have certain nuances that are different from working with a business partner. Okay. Um, mostly because like you never get away from each other, right? There is no break. There is no, Hey, let's, let's talk about this tomorrow. Cause I'm going to see you at the dinner table kind of thing. Right. Um, you know, so one of, one of the biggest things first off is Tiffany is an absolute saint and she has extreme patience with me that and that's important, but I think where that comes from um First off, it's setting very clear boundaries and helping her understand like when is work, when is not. Like, is this a work conversation? Is this a husband conversation? Or is this a friend conversation? Sometimes I just approach her as a friend. And so I think people struggle with setting the guidelines or the boundaries of any individual conversation. That can be both for business partnerships or marriage partnerships. You know, like, hey, am I, this, I'm coming from a place of support. I'm coming from a place as your leader. I'm coming from a place as your friend. My goal is not to get an outcome here. I do not need your help. I just need to share this story with you. Like people have a hard time, we'll say, setting the agenda or the intent of a conversation. Um, one of the biggest lessons I teach in any type of leadership class is the power of the 30 seconds before a conversation instead of the 30 seconds after. And if you actually sit down and take 30 seconds, say, what is the desired outcome from this conversation? Who am I talking to? What's the best way to get that outcome? That is probably very fairly could be utilized the wrong way, right? That could be used as manipulation. That could be used in a way to get bad things to happen. And it's a powerful exercise, right? Because nine times out of 10, you probably walk away from a conversation with your wife in the first 45 seconds go, fuck, I could have approached that differently. Oh, I yeah. saw that go <laughs> way differently, right? Because you just didn't prepare ahead of time well enough. Yep. But whether you're talking up the chain of command, down the chain of command, or across as peers, I think if people take an extra 30, 30 to 60 seconds and say, what is the desired outcome from this conversation? Who am I talking to? And then what's the best way to get that outcome? Um, you know, it, it will change how you approach the conversation. It will change how you set it up for success. It will change how you determine what the intent is, like with that person. Um, even something as simple as like, like people struggle with um, perceived conflict-driven conversations, right? And I'll lead, I'll lead a conversation with like, hey, I'm not sure the right way to present this. It may not come across right and it may hurt your feelings, but I really feel like I need to share something I've seen with you. Okay. Right. And so that simple, let me lay the groundwork of this is going to hurt, but I'm not coming from a place of attack. I'm coming from a place of support. That makes a like, lot of sense. That little sentence, if you, if you've ever, if you, if you've never done it before, try it, you'll watch the person on the other side of that conversation completely defuse immediately. 
Because if they think you're coming from a place of attack, they're going to get defensive. Their guard goes up and then there goes the whole fucking conversation. Trust me. I've been on those conversations too. That's how I learned this thing. <laughs> I've done that a lot so, with my, I've done that a lot with my employees, but I don't think I've been smart enough to think to use it with my spouse. So yes. Yep. And again, that works with employees, spouses, business partners, whatever, even like the teachers at your kid's school, like, Hey, look, this is not going to be a fun conversation, but like, I really feel like I'm seeing some problems here. I want to share my perspective, give you an opportunity to share yours. Hopefully we come to an agreed upon decision. If we don't, we'll figure it out from there. Not like, Hey, you're fucking my kid up. Like that's <laughs> not the right way to approach that conversation. That usually doesn't go over well. No, no, it's not going to because that because the defenses go right up and now you're battling a wall as opposed to a human. And so that's a big part of it, right. From a communication with her is like setting her up, but also it's, when she, like, I don't think enough people we talked about earlier, they're so afraid to be wrong. Yeah. I've told Tip, I'm going to fail you as a leader. I've never done this before. I've never built a multi-million dollar coaching company. I've never had a dozen coaching employees. I've never worked with my spouse before. I'm going to fail you. I ask you to have empathy for that fact and don't take things that I say personally. I'm not intending to hurt you. Sometimes I'm just not going to have the words. Sometimes I'm just a stressed out, overworked business owner. Sometimes my patience level is higher than others. But trust me, I love you and I want you to be a part of this. And I'm sure, I guarantee for a fact at some point, I'm going to say things the wrong way. I'm going to be emotional. I'm going to overreact. It's going to happen. I'm not perfect. Yep. But to pretend it's not going to happen is just being ignorant to the situation of, I'm doing a dozen things right now I've never done before. Am I pretty good at what I do? Yeah, but I still fail every day. But I'm not afraid of it because I'm, I'm very comfortable learning from it. And so Tiff and I, over because it's been about a year almost, when we have something that breaks, right? Something doesn't go right. I erupt. She erupts. Her feelings get hurt. My feelings get hurt. Whatever happens, we're, we're comfortable enough to come back to that conversation when we both had a chance to de-escalate and say, okay, well, what went wrong? How did we get there? How can we stop that from happening again? And that's how you grow as a couple. That's how you mature as business partners and associates. That's how you can look at somebody like Tiffany and say, damn, they got it figured out. No, we are figuring it out because we're not afraid to fail. And being okay, like just simply apologizing. Like, fuck, the amount of men out there that are afraid to apologize to their wives because they think it looks weak. You're a piece of shit, and I'm sorry. But if you can't apologize to your wife when you were wrong, you will end up alone. Because Absolutely. I think that's one, that's one of the most cowardly things you can do as a husband is make your wife feel like everything's her fault. Make your wife feel like she can never do anything right by you. Make your wife feel like nothing she does is ever good enough. I think it's some of the most cowardly shit because I think a lot of men, I don't think I've ever said this publicly before. This, I've never, I don't think I've ever said this publicly before. I don't think a lot of men want to feel like their wife's growing with them. I think a lot of men want to keep their wife under their power. Yeah, I can definitely see that for sure, which I, that's, that's an awesome point. Um, yeah. Cause in order to get anywhere that means anything, I mean, you want her to go with you. You want to do it together. So. But ultimately, if, if you can't accept the fact that your wife might be better than you at some shit, like it's just not going to work. Yeah, it's just I, not going to work. I'll, I'll gladly admit Crystal's better at a lot of things than I am. <laughs> if I didn't have her around, uh, we'd have been broken living on the street years ago. 
But that's where I think if you, it, you know, I would say uh, long answer to your question, how, how did Tiff and I work so well together? I think a big part of it is set a proper, setting proper expectations, setting proper intent for every conversation. Dude, this is like a master class on working with your spouse. I think <laughs> being okay, being wrong, and then coming back together post blow up to figure out how you got there, both coming from with, with a sense of humbleness and objectiveness to the other person's perspective and, and starting to strategize around things that could be done differently to make sure it doesn't happen again. And be sure and be honest with that. Yeah, I, mean, like that, I think that's a baseline. If, if you're yeah, not honest it, with your spouse, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's not going to work. It should be. Uh, I would like to think it would be not need to be said, but sometimes, you know. Yes. Know. If you want to communicate with anybody effectively, I highly suggest starting with the truth. Yes, absolutely. Any follow-up questions to that, man? Like, that was a pretty, <laughs> that was a long rant on it, but is there anything particularly that you want me to expand no, on? No, not here? really. I think that was awesome. Yeah, I, honestly. Um, if you want more on that, by the way, go listen to uh, his Big Stud podcast and listen to the one with, uh, well, I know it was 123 was the one she did. And a few more down the road is when uh, you and her did a podcast. Yeah, our, we did the one. Our story is probably two or three weeks ago. Yeah. Um, I'll, try, I'll try to look up the episode number real quick. But yeah, I mean, the Big Stud podcast has plenty of rants. <laughs> uh, episode 125 was the one with her and I together. Yeah, which that one was awesome too. I listened to both those. I listened to the other one a, a month ago or so when we uh scheduled. It was this. really cool to like revisit some of those stories from like back in our early dating days. Like we haven't <laughs> talked about those things in a while. So it was cool to kind of dig back into those because this is our this is our 10-year anniversary. So awesome. Uh, Congrats. This year. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, you know, so we're excited about that, but going back and revisiting some of those old stories was was pretty cool for us on that episode. It, it was fun to listen to. I got to uh, learn a little bit more about you and so, some of your past and some of that. So it, it was really cool. I mean, obviously, yeah, I was re- just read the book, too. So kind of putting it all together and stuff on the timeline it was kind of neat to know your story a little bit more. Yeah, I appreciate it. Speaking of that, um, you've got a lot of retail sales uh, experience in the past, as well as some, uh, you said, uh, the construction sales before you got into the consulting. Yeah. Um, what what part of that have you uh, taken and learned and kind of used as you grew into uh, uh, starting a new business? And well, I think everybody should work retail at some point in their life. I think you learn a lot about reading people, communicating with people, de-escalating situations, uh, creating excitement, using words and not just the spoken words, but like the silent words, like facial expressions, uh, body language, mannerisms, even just tonality and inflection. Um, I learned a lot in, about those things working in corporate America, specifically on the retail side. So I worked for Verizon Wireless uh, for a little over nine years. Uh, I did retail, retail management, B2B sales um, in, throughout that career. And I, I carried probably seven or eight different positions over the course of that nine years. Um, I just kept going, kind of moving up the, the corporate ladder of sorts. But I think just the, I am an expert communicator. Like that's what I am. And I can help and I teach people all the time how to communicate a message the right way to help them accomplish what they want to accomplish. And I think I learned a very, very large percentage of those baseline skill sets um, while being in corporate America, you know, specifically um, on the retail side. But then when I switched to the B2B side, like that's really where I started to shine. Like I I don't have sympathy. I I don't communicate that way. And when you're working in retail, like sympathy is a big part of it and being understanding and being patient and being calm and cool and collected all the time. 
you know, in B2B, like I can walk into someone like one of my clients office, we cuss each other out and then like, it's just normal day. And like, <laughs> not that that happens a lot, but like I, I communicate my directness, just it lends better to the B2B side. So um, learned a lot there about how well I do in more of that business environment. And that, that basically the foundation of everything I teach on the construction um, coaching side was around leadership, communication, systems, processes, structure, routines. Um, you know, so a big part of that are things I learned in corporate America. And then when I got into the remodeling space, I basically took all those things, figured out how to implant it into a business like that, grew that company or was part of helping grow that company, um, went to a roofing company, helped them grow from a leadership position. And then for the last, you know, three plus years, I've been coaching full time. Kind of, uh, well, we can actually, let's, uh, let's talk about the coaching and consulting and win rate a little bit more. Just uh, just so some of these people may not know, I don't know if everybody obviously listening is not just in the automotive side of stuff, but that is a big part of my crowd. But we do have other business types and things. Um, I'm sure there's some plenty of construction people, you know, all sorts of different things out there. Um, yep. So you want to tell them a little bit about it while we got a second? Sure. So, uh, you know, Winray Consulting was based around the concept of one-on-one business coaching. Um, and there's plenty of great groups out there. Arate, Apex, Lions Den, uh, 10X, right? They're, they're, I'm, and I'm a part of Apex and Arate. Um, right. And I think, there's, I think there's a lot of great opportunity and purpose for the big groups. But I think there's also the, the, what's lacking is the accountability in that side-by-side approach to customize support for, for your business. And so I decided I'm going to go all in on building a one-on-one coaching company. Uh, and up until... You know, for the first two and a half, three years, it was just me and a couple support members on my team. I was basically the only coach and I was doing everything. And now as demand has grown, because we have almost 100, cl- 100 clients right now, um, I can't coach 100 people on my own. It'd be impossible. Oh, yeah. And so we started adding additional successful business owners onto the coaching staff. And so now like we, we still, we, I'm sticking to we do one-on-one business coaching. That is what we do. That's what we operate. That's what we sell. We sell accountability, coaching, consulting, training, whatever you want to call it. That's what we offer. And so if you go to winrateconsulting.com, you know, the website shows myself and, and the rest of the team. Um, so you just get to know that. Uh, the Big Sub Podcast is a great way to get to know me better. Um, you go to MikeClaudio.com. You know, again, I'm not trying to push myself. It's just like for me to explain it all. That's a the whole podcast. reason you're here, buddy. Or, you know, <laughs> if you want to go do some research on your own, MikeClaudio.com or WinRateConsulting.com. You know, gives you an opportunity to learn more about both of us. Um, you know, I, I see both of us. Like, I'm I'm starting to like I'm so like me as a business owner, I'm progressing from lead technician, which I think you'll appreciate, to yep. CEO. Right? right. Like, I'm not the only guy coaching anymore. Like, I think I have like. 26 clients out of the hundred right now. And so there's also, more people that are work, working with WinRate that are working with somebody else than working with me. And I, I will continue to minimize that number. And as clients fall off, not replace them. So I can spend more time being the CEO of my company. And uh, I wanted to mention YouTube as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Claudio on YouTube. Yeah. When you go to the Michael, MikeClaudio.com, it's got all of my content distribution channels there. So, but yeah, I mean, like, like, if there's anything I've learned about building a brand is consistent, like nothing beats consistency over time. You know, like I've been, I'm on my hundred and like 80th or 90th episode of the podcast. I've released almost 300 videos on, on YouTube. hundred, I've released as of this morning, 192 episodes, you know, so I've just been doing it. I don't say without fear, but without doubt, like you hear me talk about the zero doubt mentality a lot. 
And so right. I put out YouTube channels. I put our YouTube videos. I put out podcast episodes. I've been putting out content on Instagram for almost four years. And it was all done. There's always fear. Even for me, there's still fear. There's just, there's just no doubt. Like I have no doubt I will be able to figure out whatever problems arise. I'll be able to learn from whatever happens from there. It would ultimately, there's no doubt in my mind that I'm going to, I'm going to impact a lot of people. And so I just show up every day and do my job as the, to the best of my ability, you know, with structure, with routine, with consistency, but nothing beats the consistency. I think in the, in the eyes of, of your audience, like if I would have done a couple episodes, been in apex for a little while, but fizzled out like a lot of people. Yep. This, this episode would not have happened. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that would have been another guy that fizzled out through the program isn't around anymore. Whatever happened to him. Oh, he hasn't been on social media in a couple of weeks. Uh, he must be, he must be done. And, and, that, and that guy is over there probably struggling making payroll because he just hasn't been consistent doing anything. And his audience thinks he's gone out of business. How's that going to help him catch up? How's that going to help him figure it out? Short answer. It's not. You mentioned uh, something there. I know you're uh, very well known for, and that is your uh, time management and scheduling and how you, how you handle all that. Uh, you want to uh, give a brief overview? I know you do classes and stuff on some of this, so I don't want to give away too much. But uh, I'll give away for free because no one's going to do it, so it doesn't matter. Without, <laughs> I promise you, I can I can give you the roadmap. I can give you the game plan. It does not matter. People will not take the effort. I literally, before we got on this this podcast, I just I just did the process. I'm going to walk you through. Okay, so every quarter, I reestablish priorities in my routine. Okay. And I do that, I create a list of everything I need to do in a month for myself, for my family, for my business, for my friends, for my hobbies, for wellness, whatever. Okay. I make, I, I have, I think it's eight or nine categories I utilize. I don't have them memorized, but think for yourself, for your business, for, per, for professional development, your house, your health, your finances. Just let's start there. I look at everything that I need to do in a given month to be successful in those categories. They're not equal. It's not balanced. My business list is 47 items long. For me, it's like two things, right? So it's not balanced. It's not equal. But if you don't prioritize the things in each of those categories that's going to lead you to success, it's just not going to get done. You're never going to be like, hey, I got a free afternoon. Let me go figure out what I want to do today. It's not going to happen. It never happens. It never will happen. So I create a list of, of in a month, and looking at the next quarter, what is everything I need to do, touch, be, wear, whatever for that month? So like client meetings, employee meetings, content, uh, me time, CEO time, gym time, meditation, time with my kids, time with my wife, date nights, date lunches, everything. I, everything that is important to me goes onto that list. From there, I give everything a cadence. How often does it need to happen? So some things will be every day. Some things will be once a week. Some things will be once a month. It doesn't matter. How often is does it need to happen? I then take that and I dump all those items into a spreadsheet that's like a rough draft of a calendar. My day goes from 4 a.m. to 10 p.m., basically six days a week. Sunday, I sleep in a little bit and go to church. Monday through Fridays, 4 to 10 every day. And so I take the items, client meetings, trips, time with my kids, time with my wife, and I get it all into the calendar rough draft for the month. So I can make sure everything works together. I can make sure there's time for everything. I make sure there's enough gaps for everything. I don't fill it hour by hour. I fill it based on the cadence. And I get everything from the list onto the calendar, the rough draft calendar. Right. From there, once that's all done and it all works, 
It goes into my rear, my real calendar. And then I just follow the game plan for the rest of the quarter. It's like right now I can tell you everything I need to do everywhere. I need to be everything that's important to me for the next 90 days. That's amazing. <laughs> and I <laughs> to me, that's that, amazing. I've done that every quarter for probably three years. That's, that's awesome. Um, and so no, I'll, I'll ask you, and I'm not you specifically, but we'll say your audience. No, I'm you good. Tell me you want to be successful. You tell me you want to be wealthy. You tell me you want to grow a business. You tell me that you want, you know, things for yourself, for your wife, for your kids, your family, whatever. I ask you, what is your calendar and task management look like? Because if it doesn't look like that, you're not as serious as you think you are. Absolutely. And I know I've struggled with getting my calendar and everything the way I want it and there are things going on. So I definitely need to uh, work on can I, that. Can I share my calendar? Can you give me, like, I just want to show you. Uh, yeah. Do you have, it's a, it's the podcast. We don't need to show. I can, I can show me when we get off. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, but, yeah. No one else will be able to see it. So it won't matter. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to say, if, can you share your screen or will it not allow it? It's right. Host disabled participant share screen sharing. Let me see if I can. Hopefully this does. Right. Yeah, that worked. So like, this is my calendar for last week. Everything, read, gym, meditate, social, take the kids to school, operations meetings, one-on-ones with my employees, client meetings, chiropractor, date night, movie night with the kids, prep for my week, cash flow, food prep, food shopping, everything, church. It's all there. I literally, people say, hey, Mike, how much do you work? I don't. I work at life. I work at being a fucking champion 18 hours a day. That's what I do. That's that's awesome. Mine's not quite that structured yet. I keep working on it, but it's a it takes time. Uh, like that, like what you just saw is is like eight to nine years in the making. Yeah, you know, I, I just constantly implement, analyze, adjust better strategies so I can get more done. That's why I get so much done. Yeah, man. So anyway, everybody definitely go check out Mike's content and stuff because uh, some of the way he handles things is amazing, especially his whole structure on. How he does his days is it's every, I know everybody in apex is like, holy shit, but I definitely have one more thing I want to touch on before I let you go, man. Um, I definitely don't want to keep you too long. I know how your schedule is. (laughs) Um, A champion shoes. Yep. Why don't you uh, tell us, tell everybody a little bit about um, kind of how that got started, what it's about, all that fun stuff and where they can donate and all that fun, all that great stuff. Sure. So uh, Tiffany, my wife and I, at the end of every year for, I think as long as we've been married, um, we do what we call the balancing of our blessings. Okay. So at the end of the year, we give back in some sort of way for everything that God blessed, blessed us with that year. And like early on in our marriage, we were just like giving back volunteer work because we didn't have any money to give to anybody. We were broke, right? Like most early married couples. Yep. Um, and so over, over the course of years, we started like, you know, writing checks to the church or going into and doing something pretty cool in the community or whatever it is. And so in 2020, uh, at that point, we had a four and two year old and we wanted to get the kids involved. Right. Because they, um, you know, they were getting older and like, you know, for most kids, writing a check is not really that, that impactful for them. Right. And so I asked my four year old MJ at the time and I said, MJ, what do you love right now? And he like most four year olds, like whatever's closest to the front of his face. He's like, I love my shoes. I was like, all right, how about this? How about you and dad? How about we? Dad'll take five thousand dollars. We'll go buy a hundred pairs of the shoes and we'll give them to kids who don't have new shoes. Would that be fun? And he was like, Yeah, be awesome. We get them the red ones. And it was a really cool. We were on a family walk together. It was, it was, it was a pretty cool experience. And now looking back on what it turned into. Um, so that was like, let's say September 2020. I was driving home from the gym one day 
uh, like a week or two later. And uh, I, I, it kind of hit me like, why am I limiting this to one year? And why am I limiting this to just a hundred pairs? And that's not really like how Mike Claudio does things, right? That like, you know, it's just not. Yeah. And so I literally got home and Googled how to start a nonprofit and followed the steps that, that again, just doing the work. I, it's, I didn't hire nobody. I didn't overthink it. I didn't like talk to 10 attorneys to get the best price. Like I just literally went on the internet, Googled how to start a nonprofit in South Carolina. And I followed the steps. That's just figured literally it out. All I did. That's it. And so that process probably took about six weeks uh, before we got like our, our official approval of nonprofit and that kind of stuff. We, 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 I guess, officially uh, announced ourselves Black Friday 2020, thinking like, okay, hey, we're going to do this thing. Worst case scenario, I donate 5,000, we buy 100 pairs of shoes, it's a successful year. Well, we ended up raising like $40,000 between Thanksgiving and Christmas, and we bought, I think it was like 500 pairs of shoes in the first five weeks. Um, wow, that's amazing. And we hand buy every pair, we hand wrap every pair, every pair gets a handwritten note. Every pair gets a pair of socks. And so it's a very like time intense. So Tiff and I, with like some help of friends and family, like we hand bought 500 pairs, wrapped 500 pairs, shipped 500 pairs out of our garage. And, and like, we were literally wrapping like presents for our kids on Christmas Eve because we had been wrapping shoes for like literally from Thanksgiving to Christmas. We were like, shit, I guess we're not the only ones that think this is an important mission. And so we kind of like, we kept talking about, kept pushing it. And, uh, you know, 2021, I think we raised like $200,000, sent a couple thousand pairs of shoes. I think we sent about 2000 pairs of shoes uh, in 2021, where I think we're over 2,500 lifetime of of the organization, which is still, again, hand purchased, hand wrapped, hand shipped. It's it's very time intense. And so this year, 2022, you know, we're realizing that like there's some opportunity here to make this a really big mission. There's a lot of people very early on that are that are showing a lot of interest, uh, both with their time investments as well as their financial investments, because we have some you know companies and small businesses that donate on a monthly basis. Um, so we actually hired an executive director this year. She just started a couple of weeks ago. Um, super excited about that because that gives us an opportunity to uh, really expand upon the power of the mission. But ultimately our mission is to create champion level confidence in children. And we do that by providing name brand shoes to, to kids who can't, can't get new shoes on their own. And you know, there's a lot, there's probably millions of children in this country who have never had a new pair of shoes or a pair of shoes that even fit right. Um, you know, we've, we've been blessed to impact some schools and some organizations and some big brother, big sister, you know, boys and girls club type stuff. Um, and we, we try to get lists of kids in need through, you know, vetted organizations so that we know those shoes are going to people who actually need them. And, um, but even so, if you go to a championshoes.org, uh, you can, you can, you know, put a kid in need right in there. We'll ship them a pair of shoes direct. Um, you can donate through there. If you're interested in giving on a more regular basis, like we have some companies that donate, you know, like a per unit thing, right? Let's say you're a, a roofing company, you want to donate a pair of shoes for every roof. Well, we just help you, you know, donate on a monthly basis for every roof you do. You know, we invoice you. We, we, we budget about $50 uh, is about what it costs us per pair of shoes to like complete the process, right? So to get the cards, to get the socks, to get the wrapping paper, shipping, you know, it's going up right now, obviously with like supply chain issues all over. But right. basically, you know, we charge, you know, we charge, I don't whatever you want to say. We we account for $50 per pair of shoes. So if you did a, if you did 10 roofs, you know, it's $500 a month that that gets donated. And like that allows us to continue the mission and, and invest in helping and find more kids. So you are, my goal, my, my vision right now for the company 
Uh, I'd like to see a million kids impacted by 2026, by the end of 2026. So I said a million, a million kids in, uh, in five years was, is, is the target. We're at, I don't know, 2,600, still a lot of kids, still a lot more kids than if I would have just bought a hundred pair of shoes on my own in 2020. Um, so that's cool. But I think, you know, we start really doing something with this. We get this executive director starts to do her job effectively. You know, we get a lot more awareness on this. I, I still believe a million kids impacted is very, very feasible. I think it's, it's an awesome cause. And I mean, uh, you know, giving those kids confidence and being able to, you know, walk into school. With their uh, I, high I truly end. believe there's nothing that matches the feeling of putting on a new pair of shoes. Like, I don't, I don't think there's nothing that matches that the same way. I'd agree. It, it's always nice <laughs> for sure. It doesn't matter how old you are. Everybody appreciates a new pair of shoes. I'm, I'm just mad that I'm an adult and people don't ask me that if I run faster. all right well we're we're pushing up on the hour man i don't want to keep you real quick run back through let everybody know where they can find you i know we kind of sprinkled it out throughout but this way they can it's all in one place and then uh yeah we'll uh we'll let you get on with the rest of your day awesome you know i guess you know myclaudio.com winrateconsulting.com at winrateconsulting on instagram primary great places um but ultimately i really appreciate the opportunity to be here man this has been awesome um i appreciate you having me on and you know if anybody wants to connect or looking for any help or anything you know feel free to shoot me a dm or however i know you're extremely busy and everything with all you everything you got going on man i appreciate you taking the time to be here and uh i'm sure this will will help some people out out there somebody will listen somewhere and they'll they'll definitely get a lot out of it so i appreciate your time doing it awesome thanks man All right. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. And uh, that's it for this week. Remember, go enjoy the drive. Later. Thank you for tuning into the Business Cars and Cigars podcast. Make sure to share this with someone you know that can benefit from this content. Remember to support this show by rating, reviewing, and subscribing.